I texted Ryan Pace this morning. I mean, the patience that he had sitting there. I mean, he, he could have traded the whole draft away and jumped up there to number six or number seven and possibly made a trade and, and got the same player. But he sat there. He was smart. He was patient. And it, it worked. So he deserves a lot of credit today. It is draft day, player procurement day. This is the uh, final four picks for the Bears out of this group. And um, and that was Dave Wanstead on the score on Friday. And he um, he thinks that Ryan Pace showed great patience. Listen, you know, it's, it, it's kind of uh, astounding. You get a, a quarterback at number 11 like that, a guy that a lot of people thought going into the process was one of the top players. I know there were some – some issues you have to work out, et cetera. But, guys, the oldest trick in the book, if, if indeed you're on a sort of one-and-done scenario, and I'm not suggesting that is the case because I think that if you look at this draft, not only did they show great faith in uh, Ryan Pace and bringing him back to make it, and we all remember the Zoom conference at the end of the year, but they also allowed him to trade into next year's draft to make the selection. But I'm just saying, generally speaking, the oldest trick in the book is to, if you feel like you have some kind of issue, is to make sure that you have a quarterback, a younger player that you can put in at the end of the year, that you can show hope, and that secures your return for another year. I don't think that was part of what they were doing. And when we talk about the idea of, uh, of Ryan Pace running his scheme with a guy like Justin Fields, maybe they don't get to it this year. Maybe you're right, Jeff. But – it, it's certainly the kind of move when you make this sort of a, of a, of a uh, trade into next year's draft that speaks to a certain amount of confidence that you're going to be here uh, next year as well. I think the biggest thing is Matt Nagy picked his own quarterback, so you're going to give him a chance to see how that works out. And, you know, Matt uh, talked about – excuse me, um, Ryan talked about the, the, the blueprint, and there's a blueprint. You got the coaches – he says it's the strength of the football team as the coaching staff. He believes in all all these guys. They brought in another offensive assistant now in Tom Herman from the college game. So we don't know how it's all going to look, obviously, until we get to, to a training camp practice and an actual game to see what the scheme tweak is, what what it's going to be like. I, I certainly hope run of the football is going to be a big part of it, uh, a consistent uh, dedication to it, in addition to stretching the field every way possible, but, again, making sure you get points on the board. So – I think that's a big part of this uh, evaluation. By the way, um, the picks are flying off the board here in the fourth, but it, it, interesting, uh, Chuba Hubbard, the Oklahoma State running back that Tevin uh, Jenkins blocked for, just was selected by the Carolina Panthers, and uh, they had a, a terrific running attack in 2019, not so much in 2020, but he gets credit for a lot of those uh, holes being cleared in the run game for Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. Just yeah, thought I'd throw that in. I don't know what kind of value the Bears would get in the fifth round or with any of their remaining sixth-round picks in terms of an impact offensive player, but they still, I think they still need more of that because right now you are depending on the guys that are coming back to make jumps. Darnell Mooney was very good last year, but...
but he still needs to make a another jump. He was very good for a rookie. Is he good relative to the rest of the NFL? That That's what we're still trying to figure out. Same thing with, with Cole Komet. He came on strong towards the end of the season. The jury is still out on him. We know exactly what Allen Robinson is. So much mystery surrounding Anthony Miller. Will he even be here next year? And then Tariq Cohen returns. And Tom Thayer, I know that you and I were talking, and I think it was you who said that you'd like to see him just be exclusively a a receiver, a guy in the slot, a guy that you could put all over the place. Because right now, you, you got the quarterback, maybe, but you still I, I still think you need more weapons, more guys who could stretch the field. Yeah, you know, the, all the creativity that I've seen out of Tariq Cohen has been when he's had a running start from the punt return where you put him in space or you have him an opportunity to get a, a screen to the outside or just, you know, uh, get an outside pitch. It's his ability to use that type of athleticism. I think that's where he becomes the most destructive and where he can get in the most favorable matchups um, from his skill set. Because to me, when I look at what the right and back position has become and the talent that they have there, I think they have the reps to distribute between those candidates. I think you put Tariq Cohen on the line of scrimmage, you develop that relationship initially with Andy Dalton and then quarterbacks going forward. And I, I think the big reflection of the, the coaching staff and the development of this system is going to be by the play of Andy Dalton initially. If you have a game where Andy Dalton is making positive use of all these tools he has around him, then you're saying, okay, I, I now I see how this system is supposed to be run and how it will be going forward. If Andy Dalton fails to meet the bar that's set for him, I do think that you'll see Justin Fields in the lineup and giving him an opportunity to see how he assimilates to the Matt Nagy offense and how Matt will call the offense with Justin on the field. Jeff, you said something there I find fascinating. You said that Matt Nagy picked his quarterback, and that was the that was what uh, Lewis Riddick said uh, on the night of the draft. The minute they made the trade, he was clearly very pleased, and he said, this is a Matt Nagy pick. This is going to be the player that Matt Nagy wants at the position. He, he apparently knew that it was going to be Justin Fields just by watching him, and he knew that it was, uh, it was Nagy making the pick and not Ryan Pace uh, getting to pick the quarterback, not Ryan Pace. And I think what's interesting is we talk about Ryan Pace and his, his you know, desire to move up and to, to zero in on a guy. Um, he did that with Mitchell Trubisky to the point where not a lot of people – uh, knew who they, they were taking, uh, even on the night itself. We've heard that uh, those reports before. Uh, this is different. Now, Now uh, Ryan talked about consensus and leaning on the guys in the room and all that, but this is, this is a player that was taken by the coach, not the general manager, yes? I mean, it's a, it's a combination of guys. He's not going to just uh... – take a coach's uh, opinion about something and run with it without the uh, obvious uh, input of everybody else in the scouting community in the building. So, you know, no one knew they were going to be able to get this done. That's the bigger issue. Like, how far was this going to have to go before he'd be able to make a trade? We all thought they didn't have enough assets to get any quarterback of those top five. So I, I think as it just unfolded, things started to develop. But, you know, did they did they likely rank the quarterbacks the way they wanted them, uh, or would they have not picked uh, a quarterback out of that five that was dropping, or or were they just going to take this guy? Were they going to take a Mac Jones? I mean, we're not going to know these things, but um, 
I just think the way the league has gone and everything that Justin Fields offers Big Mike, I mean, it's it's hard to pass up all those traits. He's got every every tool in the shed at his disposal to make this offense uh, make this offense fly when he gets the opportunity. Yeah, and we don't know who who had the biggest say in the drafting of Justin Fields, as in who who in that room liked him the most and wanted him the most. But I do think, I do think, Molly, that that the Bears are happy to at least give the perception that this was more of, and I know everybody, we've all made fun of it, and everybody likes to use the word collaboration, but the reason that they have used that word so much is because of some of the, the lack of success with the quarterback in the past. And I think that that Ryan Pace has gone out of his way to say this is a group decision, and it's it's very possible that Matt Nagy, this was Nagy's guy, and Pace was allowing him to have a bigger say because of what has happened in the past. And even if they hasn't, the, I think the perception is probably good in terms of public relations and allowing this to be the coach's pick just because of what's gone down in but the But, you know, you know, everybody, I don't think he could really set your sights on the pick of Justin Fields until you let San Francisco make their pick. There was no certainty, no guarantee that San Francisco was going to take Trey Lance. You heard as many rumors as they were excited about Mac Jones to Justin to Trey Lance. So once they made that pick, and I think kind of shocked uh, a little bit of the, the the front seven people, then they said, okay, man, this, this guy may be uh, putting us in an opportunity to take the guy that we want most. Heck, I, I thought the Denver Broncos were going to go in that direction. And here George Payton said that, you know, that Patrick Sertan was their pick. Uh, that was it. And he did not want anybody in the football world to know it. They never interviewed him. They pulled one of those uh, deals where even the player didn't get any contact. He just had the familiarity of being uh, in Miami with his dad. So I, th- I thought that's where you know he was going to go. So when it started drifting down the list like that, and hey, Matt Matt is going to have a strong. It's, this is his expertise. His, his quarterback. It is is supposed to be the the expertise and and to get that kind of input from him, plus the other guys that uh, you have on that staff. I mean, there's a, a lot of offensive influence and a lot of different guys that have played around with the quarterback position themselves as players, and then obviously that has been where they've, you know, cut their teeth in the National Football League from John DeFilippo uh, to uh, Bill Lazor and beyond. Yeah, Pace, Pace went out of his way. to. He was really laying the praise thick on, on John DeFilippo in terms of of the respect he has in his ability to develop quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think that that is more evidence being pushed towards this being, you know, more collective than it's ever been. And and probably, Molly, probably this, this was more Matt Nagy than Ryan Pace. I, I, you know, I think we can talk about uh, where the draft turned and all this. Stuff. I think it's fascinating. I'm, a, I'm in total agreement. I, I was stunned when they – they took uh, Trey Lance with the third pick. I was also stunned when they moved up and they paid what they did with apparently not knowing which of the guys they were going to take and waiting to make that decision. Was that getting the coach on board? I don't know what the dynamics were. But equally stunning to me was the whole um, ridiculous Aaron Rodgers stuff that broke that day. You couldn't help but feel <laughs> the Bears had already won the draft before it even started. Mike, this craziest thing. Th- th- Thursday night... Yeah, I start the draft show with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's the Bears draft show. Yes. But the first 
30 minutes was about Aaron Rodgers. And I was assigned to Aaron Rodgers that night. Yes, you were. You were assigned to Aaron Rodgers. Hey, and, that, um, that's huge. That's two wins in the division. It is that two could, wins in the that's division. A, that's but, unbelievable if that happens. Do we honestly think he's going to move, or is he just going to retire? I mean, I, or is this just retire. need to be I – mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just that, can't, that word has been just, thrown out there. Retirement has been thrown out there for the record. Listen, if you're an active player and you have that word retirement in your mind or in the back of your head, you're retired. Yeah. It's a hard obstacle to overcome. Once you, you know, Brett Favre listen, did it. Yeah, he did. He did. Some some guys are special in that way, I guess. However, I I don't know if he ever really mentally retired. I think what he did is challenge the teams he was playing for, and he used that retirement to try to get offers from other teams. So, it doesn't all you know. It always doesn't mean that. And you know, one thing about Aaron Rodgers, the one thing that's always changed for me, is when he wants to blame the coaching staff for kicking that field goal when they lost that game. He should have, with courage, ran the ball in on second and third down. When you start making those type of executive decisions about contact at the conclusion of a play, that also puts some thoughts in my mind that, you know, that part of it you don't like anymore. Maybe, Tom, when he reviewed the season, rather than thinking I should have run, he thought if only they hadn't traded up for a quarterback, they could have gotten me the receiver, the I tight agree. end, the player I, I needed there. And and I, I, that's what I wanted to bring up. I can't believe they went for a corner. I know they, they ended up getting a, a receiver with their third pick and they traded back up to do it. But given all of the things that he said, and it is, it's like, the, it's like we're watching a breakup. You know, they offend him one year because they trade up and get the quarterback of the future. Then he steals their thunder the next year. It's like this weird kind of, <laughs> kind of little, you're seeing guys uh, go back and forth a little bit and you worry about, I don't worry about it. I mean, I can't wait till the guy's out of the division. I wish he was coming to Chicago. Uh, you, you can never have too many. But that that was extraordinary that they didn't even at that point sort of instead I know they needed a corner but wouldn't it be nice to throw the guy a bone Hey here's your receiver you know we're all gonna fly out and talk to you but here, how about this we got you I would have sent I would have sent him the list of wide receivers and say circle pick one, one. Yes. Our, I, this is our gift to you it, it's almost weird that they chose Amari Rogers A Rogers yes. you know you can, I mean it's just too too. Too too much of a shot to the they, kidneys. Although they can I save love this jerseys. I, I love this player, though. You hear me? Just give him the jersey, right? <laughs> I mean, this player's dangerous and uh, the son of a coach and very very dynamic player. Uh, very much, ironically as well, like Randall Cobb. He could also play out of the backfield from Clemson. But I, I just I just pulled this up, and maybe you guys have done this uh, drill already. But okay, so last year. Uh, their three top picks were offensive players, QB, running back, tight end. So you can't you can't fall uh, other than the love thing that ticked them off. Well, but the, then the, wait, you already so, had a you already had a running back. Wasn't that kind of a weird pick too? Yeah, but you know sometimes it's yeah, it's just about you know value at the position. You never get enough good players. When that guy came in, I got nervous over the course of the year. That guy's a beast, and it turned out that he was very valuable at some point. So, but then listen, 19, they got Rashawn Gary, Savage at safety. Those are their two first-round picks. Then Jair Alexander, two more defensive backs in the, in the first two rounds. Kevin King was their first pick, second-rounder in 17. Josh Jones was their second pick in 17, a safety. They love 
DBs. They got them coming out their ears up there. Kenny Clark, defensive tackle in 16, outstanding player. Then a tackle with their second pick who was injured, was here. Jason Spriggs has not been able to do anything. Uh, Demarius Randall in 15, their first-round pick. Quentin Rollins, their second-round pick. Cornerback, safety, cornerback, again. Jeff, uh, Jeff. They, Ty they Hot took... Clinton Dixon, 14, well, their first-round pick. Jeff, Another they, one in 2013, Dayton Jones, a defensive end. They took Nick eight Perry the straight, next year. Eight straight defensive first-round picks before they went with Jordan Love. They yeah. never they never tried to get this guy any help, and I'm not saying you needed to, and they are pretty good, and they've got the best receiver. I mean, they've got a lot, but I'm just saying after he – you know, was breaking up with them and telling them that, you know, it's not you, it's me, it's not me, it's you, it's what you did to me. <laughs> they still went out and got another defensive back. Yeah, it's it's something. I mean, but, you know, they're still it's the mutual. top dog in the division until further notice. Breakups yeah. are never mutual, Molly. Never mutual. <laughs> <laughs> you always make sure you win, Mark. <laughs> That's right. you got to maintain power I at all times. I need my records back. Where's... <laughs> Where's my CD collection? <laughs> yeah, I haven't broken up with anyone in a long time, as you can tell. Uh, it's rough all right. out here. <laughs> uh, what about the rest of the division? I think it's really interesting to look at what Detroit's done. Uh, first of all, I think the, I think Minnesota did very well. That was a really good trade down to end up with a guy like Christian Derisaw. And they they got the quarterback of the future, but they didn't do it to to humiliate and shame their guy and kick him out of town. So uh, they made some uh, some heady moves. I like what Rick Spielman does. And then when you look at the Lions, uh, my God, they're getting building blocks, right? If you're going to rebuild, that's a good way to start by worrying about offensive tackles and interior linemen, et cetera, on the, on the other side of the ball. Yeah, the Minnesota Vikings, they, you know, they, they do draft well. You know, we know Rick Spielman very well. And uh, you can almost, in your mind's eye, see what a Minnesota Viking player is, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They know they want to run the ball. So Derrissaw, an important addition. They had Ezra Cleveland last year. Mon, the quarterback. Chaz Serrata, former quarterback, turned speedy linebacker, uh, you know, to help out there with Byron Kendricks, uh, an offensive lineman that, uh, you know, I thought, well, hey, maybe you go after an Ohio State lineman if you're a Bear to also build the future with your your quarterback. But Wyatt Davis at guard, that that's smacks of being a Minnesota-type player. Uh, they just drafted Kane Nwangu from uh, Iowa State who played with David Montgomery and with uh, another great back who's going to come out next year, Brees Hall. And this guy's a beast. He's a banger and a kick returner as well. They just drafted a corner. so. And then with the Lions, you know, building block piece with Penny Sewell. They got a, a nasty defensive tackle, and, and Uzurike from Washington, another defensive tackle. They want big guys. That's what this coach wants. Dan Campbell wants big, big, tough guys. And uh, they continue the process on the defensive side of the ball with four picks on defense already. They added another receiver. They rebuilt the receiver position on the fly here with, with guys in free agency and Brashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams, uh, Damian Ratley, uh, Khalif Raymond, guys that are going to be pieces to a puzzle. So they, they got a ways to go. They're not expecting to, to, to be a – I, I don't think, a contender right away. So they're going to do this the right way and try to build through through the draft. 
Well, you know, Detroit, they gave up 43 sacks last year. They had 34 negative runs. And when you look at what the offensive tackles have to do now in Detroit and able to sustain their protection because Jared Goff really doesn't run around like Kyler Murray. So they are going to have to be pocket-protecting offensive linemen, and you'll see going forward. You know, Vikings last year, 39 negative runs with a good running back, but 20 only 28 sacks given up. Good protection for Kirk Cousins. He's able to get rid of the ball. So you see these guys when they try to get into offensive line, you have to draft offensive linemen hoping that it's a five- or ten-year period. It's not trying to see how long you can get out of as a career. And a lot of times offensive linemen, if they're good, they're the, probably the guys that are going to earn a second contract faster than some specialty player positions. And and what did Minnesota have like seventeen picks last year? Not in this year's draft, but so so one of these years, that that's a team that could sprout before our eyes as some of these guys develop. So they're kind of a great unknown. I agree on Detroit that you probably don't have to worry about them next year. I mean, I think they have basically said that without saying that, but. To add an offensive lineman to that group that Jeff said, I don't even know if you mentioned uh, Big Frank Ragdown too. So that they they are well, that they is have, the they start. Have a lot, they have a lot of building blocks on that line. Right, they have three first round picks on that line now. Yep. And, All right, and, we're gonna. Yeah, oh, I'm go sorry, ahead, Mike, guys. Sorry. We got to we got to get to a break. Um, Jeff, I want to talk when we come back about uh, is this fifth round pick for the Bears? Is this going to be one that gives us a little clue? into what they're doing, what if there was any changes in what they want to do. Are they going on the defensive side? If they go for a wide receiver, do we look at that differently? Because, you know, it's it's uh, we're running out of picks, and this is a round where Ryan Pace really uh, really does uh, some pretty good work. We'll discuss oh, it next. B- by the way, Ian yeah. Book just got picked by the Saints, Tommy. Hmm. Well, oh, there you go. Notre Dame. A, a Drew Brees clone. Yeah, who needs Drew Brees? You got Ian Book. I like it. <laughs> It's, it's our draft. It's our May Day draft show. We'll be right back. Brian, I asked you in February if there was any scenario that you could see trading Aaron, and you said absolutely not at that time. Has that changed? Is there any scenario that you can see trading Aaron Rodgers this offseason? No, no, Ryan. I appreciate the question, but no, we're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that is uh, that is uh, Brian Gutekunst of the, uh, of the Green Bay Packers, their general manager, and he says they're not trading Aaron Rodgers. There is a story up at Pro Football Talk right now, guys, um, that Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports apparently now reporting that Rodgers uh, is willing to consider hardline options if the team wants him back. One of them is firing the general manager. <laughs> he's wow. not going to trade him because he's not going to be there, apparently. <laughs> wow. And on, on ESPN's site, Mark Murphy says teams committed to Aaron for more than just next season. So this is uh, quite, quite the drama unfolding uh, at the quarterback position around the league this year. Why what this is, year? What is, what is what? the value of Aaron Rodgers? Seriously. So if we're sitting there and John Lynch is making a phone call, George Payton is making a phone call, you got these guys out of the division calling Green Bay, and you say, hey, make me a ridiculous offer. You know, we saw Mike Dick could trade an entire draft for Ricky Williams. So now – you know what is it? Three three first rounders plus a player, right? And I think there's this there's Bowl? this, yeah yeah right. There's this idea too that because of of what Tom Brady is doing and maybe to a lesser degree what Drew Drew Brees did that 
quarterbacks last forever. So it, and I think that a lot of this was premeditated by Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers said the right things, you know, way back when. And then I think it was probably his idea to start making or get some noise going around the draft and and see see what he could get stirred up in terms of ultimately probably just wanting a longer term deal with the Green Bay Packers. I think I think that's what Aaron Rodgers wants is more security with Green Bay still. See, he's, I, I cha- he's I, changing. When, when a person is changing, I mean, he's getting married. He's getting married to a, to an actress. I, I I don't know that he wants to stay in that podunk town. And I don't want to insult Green Bay by calling it a one horse hellhole, but it really. <laughs> <laughs> no offense taken, I'm sure. I, I've heard from people they like that connotation. Jeff, you think he wants in, or you think he wants to go there? You think he wants to end his career with the Packers? I just, I, I just, I, I get the sense that he's not the type of guy that's uh, just saying this to get money. I think there's something deeply disturbed uh, with uh, what he he feels about this situation right now. I'm not saying it's not going to be resolved, but they could play hardball and say, "Okay, you want to sit in the corner and don't play? That's fine. We're, we're going to play Jordan Love, and you're still on our." Our payroll, but um, you know, again, this was a column that Mark Murphy. I have a lot of respect for Mark Murphy, the Packers president. Sure. So he he, in a, he put it on the team's website today, and this is he said this is an issue. This is a quote that we've been working on for several months. Brian Gutekunst, Matt Lafleur, and I have flown out on a number of occasions to meet with Aaron. We are very much aware of Aaron's concerns and have been working with him and his agent Dave Dunn to resolve them. We remain committed to Aaron in 2021 and beyond. So. Whether it is just about money or it's philosophy or whatever, I just think there's an avalanche right now. And like Mike pinpointed it, yes, he's definitely changed. He's definitely, you know, with the Jeopardy thing, you think it's just a one-off. and No, he seems quite pleased to do that. And not that he's going to get the big job. He's got there's a lot of competition out there. I hear Mully's getting a, a tryout as well, right after Joe Buck. And you know, and, and but but don't put it past you, Mully. You got you're a very intelligent guy. Uh, that's not a job I could ever do. Um, but I, just it, there's too much fire here. I, 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 it's 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 a wildfire, and and I don't know that it's going to be put out. And not that I have any insight other than just my gut instinct that that's that's what I feel about the situation. If Aaron Rodgers wanted the general manager fired for his hardline stance, he should have made this claim weeks ago to get him out of that position before he had the chance to make the draft choices that he knows Aaron Rodgers is not going to be. But they did. I know. He said this no. been going on for several months that they've no, had conversations. What, but but right now we've just got, uh, Molly said, in the, his hardline stance is to get rid of the GM. Yeah. If he had yeah. that hardline stance and they could cure that problem, then they should have got rid of him in time for these guys to handle the draft and maybe include his input a little bit more, make him feel a part of it. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's kind of late to let him do the draft and then call a hardline stance to get rid of him. I don't know who said it, but the other day they said uh, this is uh, the, the, the first time in history that the Bears – and their fans feel better about their situation than the Packers fans do about their situation, <laughs> and you know, and and I I do think that's definitely a, a launching point for everybody involved here. So hey, you know, it's all it's all good in love and war, right, guys? I I remember back in the day, and I forget who this was, but there was some 
primetime, like, half-hour comedy show that desperately wanted to get John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd to do a guest appearance. And, and they said, listen, we'll do anything. What can we do? And they responded, get canceled. And I think that's kind of the conversation that Rogers may have had with the GM. Listen, we'll do whatever we'll offer you this. Okay, resign. Like It just seems like there is some bad blood there. And it's, I mean, I think it's great from a Bears perspective because, you know, you said it. If they tell him to sit back, oh, you want you don't want to play, then we won't pay you and, uh, and, and we'll play Jordan Love. Is Jordan Love ready to play? What if that – what happens – if you do a move, a move like that, and then you realize, uh, humana, 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 maybe we drafted the wrong guy. I, I just think that, you know, you said it, Tom, like, what is he worth? He's worth a lot to another team because they can uh, they can perhaps win a Super Bowl with him. But he's worth everything to Green Bay because he makes up for a lot of, of uh, bad mistakes on the roster, quite frankly. We don't even know what's wrong with that team until we are done with the uh, with the Aaron Rodgers era. Well, at least for the NFC Championship game it was Kevin King. I mean, he, he Oh, wow. He, yep. he was he was the pro- was that was the sure. problem. That, that you know, and they apparently tried to fix it with their first pick. So, um, you know, you, he's still on the team, but this year uniquely enough if you look at the offseason, you look at the GM of the Houston Texans, the Seattle Seahawks, and now the Green Bay Packers. When you have this franchise marquee pay making more money than the rest of the team type of quarterback they have an influence that if they're not happy they can create a really negative persona around the football team and uh, you know it, it happened at kickoff of the draft with green bay and it's been happening throughout the offseason with the other teams and and i have something to say about that too because you know or organizations you know all sports are hit with a lot from the outside in and that is perception that is anger that is you know you're not winning enough unhappiness with a particular player obviously the quarterback position in this town is a lightning rod no matter who's in there at any given time and I I I know people think that these organizations sit there and they gnash their teeth and wring their hands about what everybody's saying about them outside the building but the best organizations don't listen to that stuff, and they do what they feel they must get done to fix their own problems. And, you, you know, this all happening and, and Aaron Rodgers and the media release of this, you know, the Packers have been a strong organization, and granted they've had the quarterbacks to do it for the last uh, couple decades here, uh, more than that actually. Yeah. Uh, they're they're going to they're gonna sort this out and not – you can't counter-program – what's going on on the outside in you got it you got to worry what's best for your football team and the other 52 guys on that roster and i do believe that that's what happens in most cases i can't say that happens every time teams do things that scratch your head and maybe reacting to public sentiment or media pressure so it, well, once it, it does upon, happen once upon a time ago this and obviously different people within the organization and running the organization the Packers organization made the, the right choice in drafting Aaron Rodgers when they did and ultimately angering Brett Favre and Favre doing what he did going to Minnesota and then ultimately the Jets. So I think some of it is is the Packers organization. I don't know if you call it arrogance, but at least having a past of doing the right thing and not want like wanting to keep this going, wanting to keep the immaculate quarterbacks, the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and now they think possibly 
Obviously, Jordan Love is the quarterback of the future. So they've bit as an organization, they've been proven right on doing these things in the past. But I, I don't know if they're going to be able to repeat it or keep this dynasty of quarterbacks going into the future. But and we'll get we'll 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 move on from this because it's, this is a Bears draft show. Yeah. But I gotta, but this is connected. Here's the thing about Green Bay, they. You know, they operate in a very conservative way. They have no team owner. They they are very concerned about, you know, they're they're very much the team that is, you know, shoving a lot of money into the mattress and making sure that they are, are staying set and keeping everyone happy and they're going to be good. But they don't just go for it. And I think that if you're an Aaron Rodgers and you're and, and we saw it with Russell Wilson, perhaps if you're one of these top quarterbacks and you see Tom Brady go to a place and a team just pull out all the stops and do anything they can to win and they end up winning. You're jealous of that. You're probably looking at that and saying, why, why can't we do that here? Why aren't we signing everybody we can to make our push this year where they're always trying to build and keep everything together and their their concerns are maintaining what they have as opposed to going for broke. And I think that maybe as your career is unfolding, you get tired of it. And, um, you know, the other thing about Rodgers, and I'll let this go, he's estranged from his family. Like he, it is not, you know, he is the kind of guy that apparently can, can really, uh, you know, dig his feet in, you know, really make, make draw his line. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly right. I, do you know anyone like that, Jeff? <laughs> I'm looking in the mirror. I've been told I'm stubborn as can be. I know Tom is. Yeah. Brody, he's kind of a, you know, yeah. uh, whatever nice comes, guy. whatever yeah. goes. Oh, I, and I'm happy-go-lucky, as you well yeah. know. Right. Uh, you know. No. No. Hey, listen, somebody a long time ago told me in this business that we're in right now, behind the mic or whatever, uh, let alone Tom doing a dual career, two careers as, a, as an outstanding football player, he goes, no matter what, we're, we're eccentric people. So that's the why we're <laughs> allegedly successful if we do deem ourselves successful uh, because we're eccentric. And when, the person who told me that is, was in this business for a very long time and was an executive, and I'm like, oh, I'm not eccentric. And so oh, are you God. telling me I'm not successful yeah. yet? And they just turned and looked at me. They didn't say anything. <laughs> so I had a long way to go. That's a compliment, eccentric. Yeah. All right, let's uh, – <laughs> we all know the reality. Let's, uh, let's take a minute. I, I still want to get an answer as to – maybe they'll already have picked in the fifth by the time we talk about it, but uh, does this give any indication? Just because he's done so well in the round, we'll talk about that next. It's uh, our May Day draft show. We're having a lot of fun here on The Score. It is the draft show on the score. The Bears are getting ready. We're, we're less than 10 picks away from their fifth-round selection at number 151 overall. And, and I, I'm not saying this is some mandate on, on how this team is going to um, – is how, how they're going to play moving forward, but they've had a lot of success with the fifth round in the Ryan Pace era. Um, this is it, 151, and then they're in the 200s for the rest of the draft all – Sixth-round picks, uh, 208, and then obviously uh, some compensatory picks, 221 and 228. Um, guys, when you 
look at this pick. Now's the time to get the best guy on the board. Now's the time to uh, to really follow what you put together. But what do you uh, what do you look at when you when you look at this? Is there is there one position over the others that you would take if all things were equal? This this is why uh, this is a very difficult job in the general manager's chair and a, and a scout because you know you want everything like. I felt empty a little bit yesterday with one pick because, God, I had circled so many guys that I thought would be perfect bears and whatever. And so that's how it works. Even if he didn't trade picks, that's how it works. So you sit here in the fifth round and you hear what Ryan Pace just said in that soundbite we just played regarding Justin Fields. We want to surround him and develop. Surround him. Surround him means, okay, they've got the coaches. That's an asset. Now you got to keep surrounding him with talent. So uh, do they go back to the well for a, for a receiver in round five because they, they feel they hit so well with one last year out of Memphis? Do they take a cerebral player like Darnell Mooney, a guy who's committed both physically in the weight room and his training as he is the playbook to understand that it will be easier to make that transition where Anthony Miller, it hasn't been that simple. You know, do, do they need another slot-type receiver in round five? There's a a lot of receivers still on the board. A lot of guys that can fit any type of offense you want. So, but at the same time, Tommy, they need, they need potentially a corner. They could use an edge guy. Well, you know, you, you look at to me as I look at the fringe. If I look at the fringe in the backside of both offense and defense, I look at Wims, I look at Miller, I look at Ridley. On the defensive side of it, Roberson, Artie Burns, Houston Carson, Vildor. Where do you feel the most confident about those fringe players, and where do you have the least confidence in those fringe players? And to me, we've had a lot of training camp practices. We've had a lot of regular season opportunities for the offensive side of the ball, and they haven't taken that next step yet. However, when you look at what the Bears need in order to help a new, a brand-new defensive coordinator and if you have that defensive back that is maybe maybe uniquely qualified in that fifth round, I go that. To me, I, I would still like to get a safety. I would still like to identify a safety out there, even though they they re-signed Sean Gibson and they have Eddie Jackson. But um, you know, I I would just have to determine which of those fringe players least make me make me the least excited. I think I think they're comfortable with. With De- I mean, they, they've shown me in so far that they're comfortable with Desmond Trufant. I don't know about, you know, Trey Roberson and Artie Burns. Burns was a guy who was strong in camp until he got hurt. There was a lot of talk about him possibly being a starter last year. So I think they're okay at corner. I would, if I have to answer the question, I would like to see the Bears go defensive line in the in the fifth round and it is because you know Roy Robertson Harris is a guy that they successfully flipped to that position defensive line and developed to the point where he's making good money elsewhere now as Tom mentioned earlier Brent Urban no longer on the Bears Eddie Goldman returns hopefully he is back to being Eddie Goldman and you know Akeem Hicks is still terrific but he is getting older so I would like if I had to say I'm gonna I'm gonna say defensive line Molly yeah, I you know I think it's fascinating because I think there are we're pointing out ways they could go. Um, the corner situation, Mark, I don't think they should feel good about at all. I, I mean, Desmond Trufant is a one-year deal; it's just over a million dollars. 
Artie Burns is under a million dollars. These are. Like but are you going to get a starter in the fifth round? Scratch off tickets. S- no, but you need depth. Is what I'm saying. I I don't know. You know, we we haven't even talked about it. They they've lost two corners right since last year. It's not just one. And obviously, the 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 ridiculous amount of money that you had to. You were you were on for with uh, Kyle Fuller. You had to do something there, and they couldn't come to a contract extension. But they they got in that position by going to the First National Bank of Kyle Fuller and helping their salary cap. And when we talked earlier about the salary cap, one of the ways that you could do it this year, maybe you go to to uh, Robert Quinn and you move some money. Maybe you go to to Khalil Mack. But as you do that and you turn that that money into signing bonus, they, the player still gets all the money, but you're you're creating salary cap issues down the line. So you've got to be uh, recognizing that. And, and, and I look at the receiver position. Guys, is Allen Robinson going to be here when we finally see Justin Fields on the field? We, we, it's a one-year deal, and they, they've shown no sign of trying to extend that. And that's a lot of money this year, and I don't know – he wasn't, he wasn't all that gruntled about it to begin with and maybe disgruntled when he got the pick, and then Kenny Galladay comes to town the next day he's signing that. It is. I just think you've got to look at the overview at all these spots, and it's not an easy answer unless there is an obvious choice on the board. I don't think there's an obvious choice. I think it's actually just going to be best possible fit and probably a little towards need, but if it's a it's a player that you're a heavy at at a certain position, you know that's that's where teams get in trouble. I mean, you know, if you if you're afraid to stockpile a position for a variety of reasons, financial, uh, upsetting a player that's uh, on the depth chart ahead of them, uh, then you know that's not good either. So you just want to get as many good players as possible. But we got to keep going back to this, and I. I I think Olin's coming on the show here this afternoon, is he? I mean, he's going to talk about this too. It's scoring points. How are they yes. going to score points in 2021 and beyond? And that that's where the biggest improvement has to come is scoring points. I mean, you, you know, there, there's a bunch of weapons still on the board. There's, you know, there's a tight end position. You know, you, you can't – whatever you can to get the offense going and, and get – as much help there as possible, I guess, is where I'm leaning at this point. But, Mike, you brought up tremendous points on all accounts there. All right, we're going to take a quick time out, and, uh, and hopefully we will talk to Olin moving forward. When we come back, we'll tell you who they took in the fifth round. It should be done by then. Woo-hoo, very exciting. <laughs> we're doing our draft show. They're going to get another player, and we'll tell you about it next. You're listening to The Score.